Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode four of Authentic Footsteps. Following Jesus for real, I am your host, Nico Williams, and I'm just happy to be here. Uh, If you made it to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad that you are here as well. Uh, You already know how this goes down. Segment number one is the Bible stayed wildin'. Probably one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast in general. So here it is. Matthew chapter 22 verses 15 through 22. Uh, The title of this episode is called Trap Jesus. Reason why is because the religious leaders of his day was steady trying to trap Jesus. Look, this is what happened. They come up to Jesus and they said, Hey, we know you don't care about anybody else's opinion but God's. So tell us, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Now, you got to understand that the, that Caesar was the ruler of Jerusalem at the time, and his government was oppressive to Jesus and his people. So Jesus is like, y'all ain't slick and you ain't smart. Matter of fact, go ahead, bring me a coin for the tax. So they brought him one. And Jesus said, all right. So whose image is this on coin? And they're like, well, you know, Caesar's. And my man's trap, Jesus says, then pay to Caesar what is Caesar's and pay to God what is his. I'm like, in my head, he must be feeling like John Cena. You can't see me. You know what I'm saying? I bet these religious leaders are thinking, oh, yeah, we got Jesus. We got him this time. Because if he say pay the tax to this oppressive leader, then his followers will hate him. But if he says, don't pay the tax, then those religious leaders have legal grounds to get Jesus arrested. But Jesus sees through all of that and says, pay to Caesar what is his and give God what is his. Y'all, this is the crazy part. All of the world belongs to God. All of it. You, me, the very foundations of the world. We're just like those religious leaders. We want so desperately for God to tell us what is ours and what is his. Matter of fact, I think I think we we want to tell we want to tell God what is ours and what is his. We want we want to know what things can we do that God has no control over. And and often we reject God's image in all of us and we strive for our own independence. But luckily, God didn't give up on his image bearers. Not only does he give us his image, but he also gives us his very self. You see, Jesus doesn't just say, I'll give part of my life for your sins. I'll give this part of my body for your problems. No, 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 no. He says, I'm going to give you all of me. So where the religious leaders were trying to decide what belongs to man and what belongs to God, God was saying back, everything belongs to me and I will give you all of me. So the question is, will you give him all of you? Y'all, this has been segment number one, um, The Bible Stay Wildin'. Thanks for tuning in. I'm so excited because here in my studio office, I've got a great friend of mine, uh, someone that I know very well, has one of, well, he used to have one of the most amazing mustaches I've ever seen. It was in my notes, and he cut it off. Yeah, sorry about that. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you guys Joshua Malloy. How's it going? How's it going, man? Man, I'm good. I'm just happy to be here with you, man. Man, I really appreciate that. But you got to tell me, why did you shave off the mustache? Yeah, man. Make sure you're speaking to the mic. It was a tough choice. It really was. Because, I mean, I've been growing it for a while. Uh Got the nice curl on it, man. It was a nasty curl. Like, nasty in a good way, man. It was was getting unruly, Mm -hmm. you know? 
That's all right. It stopped. It stopped obeying me. I had to. I had to show it who's boss. You know, just let it restart. You know, about as equally as awesome as Josh is, he has the most amazing fiance. Her name is Charlotte. Charlotte, say hey to the people. Hey, people. I hope y'all can hear. Her. She is amazing. I'm gonna have to have her on the podcast as well at a later date. So y'all stay tuned in for that, y'all. Oh, or Josh, uh, every time I have someone in, I always ask them the same question. So here's your opening question. The first question, knock it right out of the park. It's a softball question. Real easy. All right, here it is. What is one experience that has shaped who you are today? Okay. Well, um, before college, my life basically kind of revolved around Boy Scouts, actually. Mm. Uh, that was pretty much the only identity point that I had. You know, this mm. was also... Um, before Christianity really mm-hmm. took over my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian household and I knew Jesus um, and I knew the stories and everything. But in Boy Scouts, I met some Christian guys um, and grew up with them and learned um, outdoor skills and like um, being a good citizen, that kind of stuff. And then, But also when I was growing up, Christianity was a big part of Boy Scouts, and we mm-hmm. learned Bible verses and stuff, but that's really gone to the wayside nowadays in Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. or just Scouts, but <laughs> it's just Scouts of America now. just Scouts. <clears throat> yeah. Uh... So yeah, Boy Scouts was definitely something that influenced me a lot growing up, and then once I got Eagle Scout and did like oh, achieve- Oh, wow. You yeah. are an Eagle Scout. Yes, I, I'm an Eagle Scout. I got Eagle Scout in uh, 2013, I think. Wow. Yeah, right after I turned 15. And, wow. Uh, and because that's all I did, you know, that's what my time, that's what I used with my time. And so after I achieved everything, I was like, now what? You know, that, that was all I did. And so um, me and my friends aged out of that. Uh-huh. And uh, um, in college, my life uh, took a different turn uh, for the better, I'd say. Uh-huh. Uh, it's when I really started to devote my life to Jesus. And my fiance Charlotte here is a huge factor in that because wow. she got me to go to Mercy Hill. Wow. Yeah. And so Mercy Hill has played a massive role in my life with City Project, being around a good community, um, and just really diving in to following Jesus and devoting my life for the mission. Hey, man, I got to be honest. I'm really glad that you came to Mercy Hill because... Then I was able to meet you. Yeah, so there it is, man. I didn't know. I think I, I think I did know you were an Eagle Scout, but you you might have told me that in passing or something. I don't know, but that's still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't know many Eagle Scouts. That's <laughs> that's ridiculously <laughs> awesome, man. So, um, man, here's the the footstep of today. The topic is studying faith. All right, um, we'll get to that in just a minute. But you're a student at UNCG, true University of North Carolina at, at Greensboro, true. Some often say it stands for you never can graduate, but I'm not going to put that on you. (laughs) You're a student at UNCG. Uh, Tell me, what's it like to be a Christian at this college, at this university? Well, uh, being a Christian in any, in any, you know, higher education is a challenge. Mm. There are difficulties there because the, the way that academia and higher education is formatted is, in a secular university is not centered around the Christian life. Mm. And so there are natural roadblocks, I would say, to being someone of faith. But I would say that that's 
almost more encouraging to yeah. the Christian because yeah. it makes you rely on Jesus. Yeah. You know, like if it was easy, you'd be like, okay, Jesus is just, you know, I'm going to wake up, do all this, do, you know, cross my you... T's, dot my I's. Yeah. But in, in higher education, you have to like go out of your way and be like, yeah. I'm going to authentically follow this man, you know? Yeah. Kind of like you grow up in your parents' household who follow Jesus is like, I mean, I gotta follow Jesus. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's almost like obligatory. Mm. But in UNCG and in university, you really have to. It's not obligatory. You know, it's like a choice. You have to go at it yourself. Mm-hmm. Kind of another example would be like working out because you have a class versus working out yeah. because you actually want to be fit. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh. Man, here, here's let me let me ask you this. So, what do you study in school? Um, I study religious studies and anthropology are my two majors. You are a double major. Oh uh, yes. How long have you been a double major? Um, a semester. I'm starting my second semester of being a double major. What did you start with? Uh, well, I read my first semester of college. I'm a, I'm going into my second junior semester. So my first semester of college, I was exploratory. So okay. I didn't have a major. I was undecided. Okay. And then my second semester, I picked religious studies. Okay. Because I've always been interested in religion, spirituality, all that. Okay. You know? And when I chose this path, it wasn't necessarily Christianity, which was like the interesting thing. I was very interested in Eastern philosophy and Buddhism, Hinduism, that kind of thing. But you were a Christian at the time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was a Christian, but I was very interested and very, like, drawn to Eastern belief system and philosophy. Um, and so that was a struggle for me, you know, like, studying all this stuff and then having to be like, I have to decide what I believe, you know. Mm. And so that's a really important thing about studying religion mm-hmm. in academia mm-hmm. is you have to learn early how to entertain other belief systems, but not believe them as truth. So Mm. you really have to know, you really have to get down what the definition of truth is Mm. and you have to know why it's true, what is true, why should you follow the truth? Why should you, Mm. you know, seek the truth? So this question is aimed at somebody who might be listening, who's not necessarily a believer. They're just investigating. Mm Mm-hmm. How can you have the audacity to study out religions and say, mine is true and everyone else's is not? Yep. So I'm a big fan of a man named uh, Ravi Zacharias. Okay, yeah. He's my favorite um, speaker, author. And he's created La Matrix to, uh, you know, following truth and deciding a worldview. <clears throat> and so he says that there's like four things to look at there's like if i can even remember them there's empirical adequacy um experiential relevance um man of course i can't think of all four but you know when you when you see other worldviews that exist you have to um take them and look at them objectively mm-hmm. and you can't undermine them for being having no value you know because they're intangible ideas that people are tangibly affected by and mm-hmm. that's what interested me in the study of religion and so you have to 
look at them and see how they actually affect people and they matter in the world. Mm -hmm. But with the claims of Christ and the life and works of Jesus, they answer all the questions of life that you could raise Mm. and they satisfy and they give you purpose and they Mm. give you meaning, you know, and they, they show you who God is and it's just encouraging. That's cool, man. So you got these two majors. Mm-hmm. One is religious, religious studies. And the other one, in the other hand, is anthropology. Hopefully, I guess you're hoping that those two will mix one day to mm-hmm. do what? Right, right. That's the that's a big question. Whenever uh, you study humanities in general, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, where's that going? Mm-hmm. You know, and so at first I had no idea. I was like, should I be like a professor or should I like do something, but I've always been interested in like the human mind and the brain and counseling. Okay. And so uh, first I was like, okay, I'm going to be a spiritual counselor and like not pick a faith, you know, just be like a spiritual counselor. And then I quickly decided like, I really want Christianity and Jesus to be my focus Mm. in life. Like my work should be focused around that Mm -hmm. because he's given me everything. So why do I not Mm -hmm. do everything for Mm -hmm. him? And so you can do that in any job, but in my line of work, I wanted to go down the faith path. Mm-hmm. And so more recently, I was thinking about um, being a Christian counselor and going um, into that route and doing like secular studies and seminary studies and things like that to be a counselor within the Christian faith. But now that's, that's really... Uh, a very single focused, narrow job, you know? So I'm more looking into just vocational ministry at this point. Oh, okay. And so I definitely want to work for a church, hopefully Mercy Hill. Okay. That's, that's the long-term goal is that I would be, you know, maybe like a theologian at Mercy Hill mm. or maybe even a pastoral ministry, you know, like maybe even counseling, you know? Yeah. But I want to keep my avenues open. Yeah. So I'm just going to say vocational ministry vocational ministry i'll take it brother so you're at school mm-hmm. your major is religious studies correct yep so answer me this why does the study of religions exist hmm. yeah i think you know religion is something that like i said earlier it it's something that is intangible you know it's not like chemistry where you can like look at atoms and molecules yeah, and yeah. do the math and everything you can't really do the math with religion. So, but why does it affect people so mm. tangibly, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that that was one of the big reasons that got me into the the study mm-hmm. and like why it matters to study it is because it, it really affects people and it really exists, you know, like there's something there to it. Mm. And so I think it's important to study it because you're not just studying the facts and the history of religion, you know, there's, there's people behind it, Mm. you know, so you're not as much studying um, like statistics and numbers and Mm -hmm. uh, demographics. You're more studying like the questioner behind where these worldviews come from. Mm. And so I'm more interested in the, in the people aspect, you know, like there's always a questioner behind the question. Mm. And so that's a big thing that Ravi Zacharias talks about actually. (laughs) And I really love that quote of his, like, you know, 
there's a questioner behind every question. And so knowing the worldviews and the religion that plays a major part in people's worldview, knowing where they come from helps you to interact with the human being made in the image of God better, hmm. you know, and you can see where their mind is at and you can help them better. Hmm. Uh, so you're using the word worldview. Okay? Yeah. It's almost like a buzzword. I've heard it before. Can you just explain to the listeners kind of what a worldview is and how do people <clears throat> come to have one? Yeah. I mean, everybody has a worldview and a worldview at its basic definition is just that, you know, it's the way you view the world. Mm. And there's different like anthropological ways to define worldview and everything, but it's, it's anything. It's the way that, that you live your life. It's the way that you see the world around you. And the, like the Christian worldview, for example, mm-hmm. sees something, sees, you know, actions and politics and the environment and everything like it, Christians probably see politics different from a Muslim or a Hindu, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so worldviews are very important to be able to <laughs> see the person, you know? Yeah. Huh. Something you said earlier, I, I really found interesting was like, man, if you can understand a person's worldview, you can help them better. Mm-hmm. You can, if you can like see things through their lenses, yeah. um, you can help them come to a conclusion. It's kind of like defining empathy, you know, in a way like, mm. like a, a different way to define empathy from like a more mental standpoint is. I gotta say, man, that sounds like the title of your next book. Oh yeah. Yeah, defining empathy. Oh okay. A guide to worldviews. Colon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Ah. Okay. Sorry about that. I, I interrupted you. Hey, you. No, that's good. Yeah. Um, man. So answer me this: How does other? How does studying other belief systems affect what it is that you actually believe? Yeah. That goes back to when I said uh, it's important to entertain other belief systems without believing them as true, mm-hmm. you know, because it's really easy to have an entire semester on a belief system that's not yours and you're studying it and you have to know the disciplines of it to get a good grade. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, yeah, this exists and it's true. It's easy to make that jump to like I took Buddhism one semester and the entire semester we learned and talked about Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to be like, oh yeah, Nirvana, all this stuff exists. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. It's like, I can study it and mm-hmm. I can be tested on it, but I don't believe this. How do you go into this? Now, this is me, a Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm about to ask something a little controversial. So you ready okay, for this? Okay. How do you go into those classes mm-hmm. knowing that you have a bias? Mm-hmm. You have a bias. You're going to study Buddhism and say, this is wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going into it and you're like to be if we're going to be honest, your mind has to be closed off. Yeah. to it in some way shape or form so that you are not cuz you know, yeah, I'm right. a Christian. I'm not going to I'm not going to become Buddhist. How do you go into these classes knowing that you are you're biased? Yeah, I mean, in uh, one of my Christianity classes and one of my New Testament classes the teacher said, like, this isn't a Bible study. Like, you're going to have to, I'm not going to tell you to leave your bias at the door because mm. everybody has a bias and you can't shed your bias. You can't mm. shed your worldview. You could say it that way. You know, your worldview is like a bias. 
Mm. And so you can't shed that at the door. You go everywhere you go with it. And so having like knowing what your worldview is, knowing what your bias is, mm-hmm. is important going mm-hmm. into an environment mm-hmm. like, you know, a secular study of religion. You have to know, you have to know what you know, if, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, you have yeah. to, you have to understand what you're going in, what you're going into, yeah. you know, and you have yeah. to, you have to know what you're carrying going into it. Yeah. And so uh, it can be difficult, you know, mm-hmm. to, um, look at it objectively, look at religion objectively and look at Buddhism objectively. Mm-hmm. If we're using that example, like that, this is a faith that people, well, people hold this yeah, that faith. people believe in it, you know? And so you can go into it saying like, people believe this and these people also need Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, you can think of it that way. And like, it encourages you to learn more about it. So when you meet a Buddhist in the street, you know, like in City Project, when we went to New York City mm-hmm. and we met people of different faiths in the street and we explained to them who Jesus is, mm-hmm. it gives you a different way of like seeing into their mind and seeing how they can, how they will respond mm-hmm. to different things mm-hmm. and you can shape your evangelism differently. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Man, as we're wrapping things up, here's the last two questions I always ask each of my guest hosts. Question number one is, what is the hardest thing about authentically following Jesus? And then what is the best thing about authentically following Jesus? Hmm. So the hardest part and the best part? Yep. All right. I think the hardest part about authentically following Jesus is like from my perspective, you know, like doing, studying what I'm studying, it's not to take the easy way out, but the hardest part to authentically following him is authentically follow him you know like there's there's a lot of different things that people believe and there's a lot of different ways to look at it but when you look at the bible and Mm -hmm. you read the bible Mm -hmm. and you can see who jesus is and who he says he is and following his example and believing that you aren't jesus Mm -hmm. and you need his help you know and there's nothing you can do to attain salvation attain acceptance you know you have to talk to him josh you have to just believe man you have to follow you You have to follow you you can't be in the lead you know like it's not about you it's following what are you saying josh i mean (laughs) you can't be in the lead if you're gonna follow yeah that is a tweetable quote ladies and gentlemen do you have a twitter i mean no do you have an instagram i do follow the people People follow Josh at. I don't even know what it is, man. Squash Malloy at Squash Malloy. At Squash Malloy. Yeah. Oh, that's a cool name. Are you okay? Anyway, um, that's really cool. I re- I'm gonna tweet that. Do it. I don't even you can have it. what I said anymore, but I'm gonna go back and listen to it, Ooh, okay. and then I'm gonna tweet it then. So tell me, what is the best thing about following Jesus? Okay, the best thing about following Jesus, I think is when you realize like how hard it is and you realize that you can't do it alone and all Mm -hmm. these things seem to bring you down Mm -hmm. is those little moments when God like whispers, you know, and like when you're doing a quiet time or something and, and you really, and he tells you like, I got you, you know, like it's okay. I had one of those moments today, Yeah, man. I was just really feeling socially exhausted. Yep. Um, I, 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 for, for my listeners, I'm a black man that works at a, a church that is predominantly white. So I was just feeling socially exhausted. 
And at our um, at work today, we have this thing called All Staff, and we just sing songs and we get a teaching. And all of the songs were like culturally relevant to me, you know. And the Lord was, I just felt the Lord say, I got you. Yeah. It was like, I call him God Winks. Oh, that's good. Yeah. He, he just winked at me. He's like, This is a hug. I see that you're hurting. Yeah. And I'm going to give you a hug. That's good. Anyway. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, of course. Thank you, man. Thanks yeah. for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I love the podcast. It's a lot of potential here. And I really appreciate you uh, bringing me on, man. I really appreciate that, buddy. Cry. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Thanks. I'd love to have you on again. Thanks, man. Charlotte. Charlotte, okay. you better get ready because you're coming up. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. All right, y'all. And uh, that's, that's going to lead us into segment number three. It's our faith challenge. I'm going to go ahead and challenge y'all, okay? As we're talking about studying faith, Whatever it is that you believe, I don't care if you're not a Christian, I want you to study it. Study what it is that you believe so that you can talk about it. I think that a lot of times um, people have an idea of who they follow or what they believe. I mean, I've seen on Twitter people will say, man, I believe in God, but not the Bible. Well, the truth of the matter is you're not following the God of the Bible. You're not following the God. And so uh, we know this based off of the Bible. So, man, here's your challenge. Figure out what it is that you believe and how did you come to know or understand your worldview. Study your faith. All right, y'all. That's been episode four of Authentic Footsteps, following Jesus for real. Last thing before I sign up out of here. On February 1, I am having or I'm co-producing a poetry show called Move, the Poetry of Transition. You can get your tickets on Eventbrite. Tickets are $7 at 7 p.m. on February 1st. It's been a great one, y'all. I will see y'all next time. Peace. Say bye-bye to the people. See you guys later. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>